interrupt this program to bring you... You will die! Like the others before you. One by one we will take you. Alright everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Real Review. My name's Kevin. My name is Adam. And we are The Real Movie Guys. It's October, so you know what that means. Real Terror Month. Real Terror Month is the season where we take a look at all your favorite horror movies, giving you our impressions, what we think, and what gives us chills at night. This month, we're going to be taking a look at The Evil Dead. Five friends travel to a cabin in the woods where they unknowingly release the flesh-possessing demons. Adam, I have no, I can't even begin to tell you how excited I am to talk about the Evil Dead series. Uh, this too. is just the first video in a four-part series. Going to have a lot of laughs. We're going to have a lot of cries. Um, but I guess we're going to start with some of the scariest shit in the series. Uh, the Evil Dead, made in 1981, I still think is a pretty scary movie. Even if it's low budget, even if it, you know, has no reason to be as scary as you would think it is, it's, I think it's still a really good movie. I, I think the low budget adds to its kind of like horror elements. I'm not going to lie. It's 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 like they did so well with what they were given, I but guess. It's so unsettling. And this is the birth we see of Sam Raimi as a director in the most like primordial form, if you will. We see all his famous camera tricks and everything he's going to come to use like throughout his entire historic career at this point. It's developed here. We see it from like the ground up. Like you don't really get to see many directors start out this early. Uh, this was like a college project, I, I want to say, with him and his childhood friend Bruce Campbell. Mm -hmm. They just got a bunch of money together, charging, maxing out credit card. I mean, the story. This is one of those movies where the story behind the Evil Dead is almost as interesting as the movie itself. It's, it's amazing. Like I said, it, it with what they were given, and it's actually you know in an actual cabin in the middle of the woods that they produce all this. It's crazy. It's so it's so fun. Right. So what is The Evil Dead for those uneducated or who have no idea what we're talking about? The Evil Dead is a, ba a bunch of friends, like Adam said, go into a cabin in the middle of the woods to hang out and party and shenanigans start to occur when they find the book called The Necronomicon. It's pretty much these demons, possessed monsters come to life. They start possessing everyone in the cabin. Shit hits the fan and by God, it works. You know, the mm -hmm. idea itself is so basic and generic that it works, especially when you think about it in terms of being someone relatively friendly to someone who works with a low budget in a movie, like Sam Raimi knew what he was working with. He was able to make this all come together perfectly, in my opinion. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was very enjoyable to watch because, like, just the setting, the camera work, it all just really works for this film for some reason. I, it's amazing how well it works. And again, it shouldn't by any means. Cause yeah, when exactly. You're, when you're watching this movie, it's cheesy. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely. You can see the makeup. You can see actors that clearly aren't those actors. Like, I know there's a part when you look at like, the history of this movie where the actors were gone at that point. And they still had, like, a lot of the movie to shoot. So mm -hmm. everyone shot from behind because they just had to replace them with somebody just to get the scene done. So funny. It's evident. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, even the camera work, like, we, you know, we admire the Sam Raimi tracking shot, right? That's the scene where we see like the camera rushing through the woods to get into mm -hmm. the, the burst of the doors or like someone's always watching. You have to keep in mind, this was two guys holding a camera on a two by four and running through the woods. 
That's what that shot is. But look how perfect it looks. You would never know. That's creative genius at its best right there. Yeah, I mean, obviously the movie is dated, of yeah, course. Well, of but course, like, yeah. <laughs> given the time that it came out, I mean, if I had seen this in theaters back then, I would have been freaked out just as much as anybody else was back then. Right. And it's, you got to think about that, too. This came out in 1981. Uh, there's not much like this. Right, especially right. with the gore levels. I think the gore and the shock factor is incredible in this movie. And there's not many modern movies I can even compare this to. Even other movies mm -hmm. in this series have a hard time stacking up to the amounts of gore and just like pure like uneasiness I get when watching a lot of the stuff yeah. that's happening here. Absolutely. Um, but what, what makes this all come together really, I think, is Sam Raimi's directing. He knows where the camera needs to be at what time. Uh, the atmosphere, I think, is absolutely perfect. Like we said, that isolated setting in the mm -hmm. middle of a cabin, that's perfect. And Raimi knows that, especially because his cinematography has to be on point. If you have such a low budget and you're trying not to show things and try to make things seem more clear, the camera has to work at all times. And it does, I think, for the most part. There's very few scenes where I don't think it does. And accompanied with that, just the lighting, too. You know, they're probably using, like, lamps and holding them up going, okay, you know, make sure the light's in the shot. But it's so well put in there that I think it actually extenuates a lot of the horror for me in this movie, especially when it's combined with such excellent makeup design effects. Like, the makeup in this movie, say what you want, you know, it does look a little corny. I, I think it's really unsettling, especially when people are possessed, like Linda, when she's possessed, and you see mm -hmm. like her face. I don't know, it, it creeps me out, man. I In comparison, honestly, I think I thought this one, the visual effects were probably the most uh, intense compared to the other films, yeah, obviously. I, I think there's an argument to be made there, especially when we yeah. do talk about Evil Dead 2 and, mm -hmm. you know, for lack of a better term, Army of Darkness. There's a little more effort, maybe, in this movie. Would you make that argument? Absolutely, yep. And I wonder if that has to do with the low budget, like because he knew everything was so low budget, maybe there was more a smidge, just a tiny smidge more heart and soul in this movie in that regard to making it the best he possibly could look with what he had. Yeah, I could see that. I could see like maybe funds were kind of placed in, you know, other areas of focus, whereas, you know, the other films, they kind of focus on other things and right. bigger set pieces and whatnot. So. Well, it's tough when you have no money, you have to make sure what you can do is used to most effect. And that's where a right. lot of directors, I think, fail, even in big box office movies that we watch now. Uh, yeah. You know, they, they, they do this whole movie and then they forget to put the visual effects in. And you're like, uh oh, we don't have enough money to put visual effects is mm -hmm. what it is. Uh, I think Raimi maybe did it the, the smart way, if you want to say. He knew exactly what he had to work with. You know, there's no secret. Like we said, there was a lot of money craziness with this where they were just maxing out credit cards. Uh, I think Bruce Campbell actually took out like a second mortgage on his house or something like mm -hmm. that just to just to fund this movie. Best friends, man. Who yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and let's talk a little bit about that. So the acting is nothing special. If, if anything, I think it, it really is like the the horror cliche that we've come to know and expect. You watch any Absolutely. Friday the 13th, Halloween series. Uh, but what Friday the 13th and those didn't have, more kind of like what Halloween, Halloween had a standout character. And I think Evil Dead has that with Bruce Campbell. Even at a young age here, uh, Bruce Campbell, while not the best actor in the world by any means, when he was allowed to show his charm, it stands out. And he's able to actually do a lot of the physicality in this movie. And we're going to see that amped up in Evil Dead 2, which it's such mm -hmm. an interesting discussion when we talk about these two movies back to back. But uh, Bruce Campbell, you could tell from your eyes, he had a look. Uh, he had a little bit of ability. And I think that was smart casting on Sam Raimi's part. Granted, they're best friends, and that's why he's in the movie. But regardless, it was good casting. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like it was just, just so happened to be fate for uh, both of them, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 
And, you know, I, I really, again, I think, and it's not to say anyone else was bad. It's just they're, right. they're not remarkable. And Bruce Campbell had the, 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 the beginnings of something remarkable that I think is only fleshed out later down the road. Yeah, I mean, you could really tell that, uh, you know, Ash, um, he was definitely the front runner of the whole cast. People said when they were filming this movie, it was a terrible experience. All of them really didn't do much after Evil Dead. So imagine this is that early on in your career and you're so burnt out after a movie that you don't want to make one again. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Bruce, Bruce Campbell's the go guy for Sam Raimi. Uh, Sam Raimi says, hey, man, I need you to come shoot a movie. Sam, Bruce Campbell stops whatever he's doing to go help out his friend. Uh-huh. And it's evident in the Evil Dead because they're beating him up. Like, there's, they talk about it behind the scenes where he's actually getting, like, things thrown at him. He's like, I don't care. Just throw it at me. Uh, mm-hmm. Punch me in the face. It happens quite a few times. And he's actually getting beat up for the movie because he knew they didn't have anything else to work with. Uh, yeah. Bruce Campbell, man dedicated to his craft. That's all I can say. I think Sam Raimi rewards him for the rest of his career. He rewards Bruce Campbell for just his dedication because without Bruce Campbell... Uh, you can make the argument that there wouldn't be much of a Sam Raimi right now, especially considering how good these movies are. More than that, I think also a lot of this has to do, we, we see a little bit of it, and not so much in this movie, which is what we're going to see drastically change over time. There's a little bit of humor in this movie, right? It, yeah. It's not uh, it's not as strong. If anything, I think it's the weaker aspect of this movie where we, agree. we see it's more dark. I don't think he really had any intention of adding the comedy elements. It just kind of so happened to fall into line in this movie definitely uh, especially in comparison to the other few movies it, it's this one has a totally different tone than right. the other ones and the deadites like a lot of the times the deadite possessions are kind of funny just like some of their lines are yes. yeah. and again, again i think it's just ironically funny i don't think it actually meant to be yes. funny but it just yes. kind of comes across that way and you have to wonder if that like influenced Raimi maybe down the line when he goes to mm-hmm. make some of these future movies like Hey, you know that that humor. There, there was something there with the humor. Maybe we should explore that a little more, right? Because uh, that's like his trademark style. Just like that awkward, awkward line delivery, awkward humor. Uh, it really becomes a trademark later on, but not so much here. This really just felt like I want to make the best horror movie I can possibly make on what I have, and I think that's what the Evil Dead actually gives us. No, absolutely. It, it's it's definitely uh, still freaky. <laughs> and a lot of that, like we said, I think contributes to the atmosphere in this movie is really good too. We really don't leave the cabin, which I think is an ingenious idea, and I think Raimi reflects on that once again. I think later on he starts to reflect on that later down the line in the other two iterations. I think it's a brilliant design choice, and that also helps that this movie moves pretty pretty quickly uh i think it clocks in at about an hour and a, not even an hour and a half i think it's actually under that uh, mm-hmm. this movie never felt boring to me there's only maybe a few scenes here and there that were kind of like just goofy uh the one was like maybe some of the ash kelp character development with linda uh that's the one thing i never really understood in this movie uh, well, he was giving yeah. her a magnifying glass uh is that what that is <laughs> <laughs> yeah some sort i don't know some sort of heirloom of some sort and, yeah and, I, and again i think we were talking about the humor before that was like one of the funniest scenes in the movie because it's so yeah. awkward is he's like they're hanging him and linda ash and linda are hanging out together and they're like looking at each other like hey baby and she's like hey and there's like this really corny like romantic kind of music playing and he's got like the little magnifying glass he's trying to give it to her it's like what is this scene going? I, it lasted a really long time too. It's just really funny because 
when you first see it, you're like, oh, you know, that might be a, an important piece that's going to come into play later. I mean, well, it does, I guess it does, right? I mean, he, he he grabs the book with it. He grabs the Necronomicon. Oh, yeah, that's true. But, but it could have been anything. Why was yeah. it a magnifying? Why was it a magnifying glass? I just I don't, don't get that. I don't. Understand. I, I guess the, the more of the the symbolism of it being a magnifying glass really has nothing to do with it. It no, could have been literally I, anything. Yeah, it could have been literally anything. I think you could. I guess it was like whatever he had in his pocket. He's like, oh, yeah. here you go. All right, give this to your girlfriend. <laughs> I just could have made a better choice, but I, I, I digress. I digress. It has nothing really to do with it. The practical effects are what bring this movie together. Uh, I'll say for, you know, as long as I can still breathe and Adam knows this, I don't shut up about it. Practical is the way to go. Mm-hmm, the evil mm-hmm. dead proves that even if it looks like crap half the time it still looks better than nine times out of 10, most of the CGI you're going to see, cause it's actually there. Uh, whether it's blood filling up a basement or, you know, a body slowly decomposing, which I still think is insane to me. The fact that they used a stop motion effect to decompose a body. That's unsettling, man. Seeing those scenes again, it's just so crazy to like, just the effort alone to do something like that. It's just so wild to think about. And you know why it works? And this was like a big thing. I really kind of sat down and I tried to think about it was Mm -hmm. in a lot of horror movies, they use just blood, right? Usually it's just blood pouring out. Sam Raimi's like, blood's not good enough for me. No, I need to put like pus and like oozing like white milk and like gore like no that makes it so much gross like it turns your stomach a little bit it's just Mm -hmm. blood is like whatever i've seen blood it is what it is no big deal you see that other stuff oozing out that just takes to a whole nother level for me i just i can't do that i just can't yeah i remember one of the scenes that's in the uh in the movie which i'm I'm sure we'll talk about at some point is first the blood pops out and i'm like "Eh, you know whatever and then all of a sudden the, like the white pops out. I'm oh, like, oh, the white makes it worse. Like, I don't know if that was milk or whatever you know, that was. It, oh, you know. <laughs> no, I don't want to think about it. As much as I want to praise this movie, there's a couple things I think I, I would like to acknowledge. I want to see if you're maybe on, you know, on, on scale with okay. me here. Um, the only scene in the movie that really doesn't need to be there, and Sam Raimi has said as much himself, so I don't think I'm too off base by saying this. Uh, the tree rape scene, which ironically mm-hmm. is probably the most famous scene from this movie, it's also the most unnecessary, in my opinion. So when I first watched this movie, I didn't really see the see it as a uh, a rape scene, okay. if you will. Right. I don't know. It, to me, That's it fair. didn't look okay. like that because I guess now looking at it again, I'm like, oh yeah, you know what? But like at first glance, it really doesn't look like it just because of. I guess she just, you know, wraps it around. And I then guess because it's overly her. sexual, I guess, yeah. in, a lot of na- in a way. I, I, I think that's what a lot of people get at, and it crawls up into places. It shouldn't right. be up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, I mean, after watching it again, I'm like, hmm, eh, yeah, I could have done without that. It's, I don't know, just right. uncomfortable. And, <laughs> yeah, and it seems like, and I, and I pointed this out earlier, like, as much as I do love the shock factor in this movie and the gore factor, yeah. this feels the most immature if that makes any sense to you. Yeah, Where, I get that. As a director, you're trying to do whatever you can just to shock an audience. And this one feels like the most least necessary because it doesn't mm-hmm. fit in with everything else that's going on, like the over-sexualized nature of what's happening to Cheryl. I don't I don't think it needed to happen necessarily that way. Yeah, no, I absolutely, I still stand by the fact that it, it could have gotten the point across without those extra added in scenes. Right. And I think we like see she still a, could have been dragged through the, the forest. Right. And but, I think it's creepy enough. She's just, and just like possessed. And I think yeah. we're going to see another version of that at some point down the line. And I, yes. I, I think there is, 
you know, I think there was an argument to be made and they, they make that argument in a, in a good right. way that it could have been done differently. Again, it is the most iconic scene from the movie. And, you know, I guess you can make the argument it worked. Yeah. It got the movie banned in the UK for a lot of those reasons and unrated and whatnot. So, uh, but people are talking about it. So if that's what Sam Raimi was going for, who am I to say? It obviously, obviously worked in a lot of ways. With that being said, I think we're going to come to our favorite part of October. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Real Kill Award. The Real Kill Award is a special where we nominate and give to the scene where we think the most brutal, vicious kill on screen has occurred. Adam, I would like to give you the honorary duty of giving your first Real Kill Award of the season. Mine is going to be Shelly when she goes to attack Scotty and she's like, she's obviously possessed and whatnot. Right. And she like, like she rips off her own hand or something like that. Right. And just that whole, and then he has to like dismember her with the axe and there's blood flying everywhere. She gets like stabbed with the dagger. Yes. And blood yes. starts like flying out of her body and it's like yeah. so over the top. But that's not even the end of it until Scotty no. has to go and start chopping up her body and then what i was talking about earlier is when she's like on the ground and her limbs are like you know she's limbless pretty much the blood squirts out but then the white the white oh goo whatever oh, starts so bopping gross. out of her orifices and whatnot i'm like oh, oh it's terrible it's so over the top and it sets the precedent that we're going to see in the future too where dismemberment yeah. becomes a big thing in the yeah. evil dead where you have to dis dis dismember the body or you're gonna have a hard time that's an awesome award i i, I like that that was a good choice but i'm gonna nominate my real kill award to cheryl and scott's decomposing bodies man there's very few things I remember when I watch a movie, and I think this this is just one of them. I think it's really gross and unsettling. We see, you know, Cheryl Gott's body too. They start decomposing rapidly on screen, and yeah, it's kind of wonky with stop motion, but anyone who mm -hmm. even attempts stop motion, I, I gotta give them credit, especially to this level where we see like the, literally like the flesh melting off the body and to the bone. And then out of nowhere, if Sam Raimi didn't think like just having a decomposing shot was enough, giant monster hands burst out of their bodies. Why? Why was that even necessary? It's so over the top insanity. And that's what the evil dead is to me. It's over the top insanity. Yeah. yeah no, that, uh, that really, it just like takes it a step further. Yeah. He's going. It just keeps going. At that point, though, I think we're going to go to our final scores. I'm going to give The Evil Dead an A-. minus. Uh, Evil Dead stands up the test of time brilliantly. I think, you know, for as old as it is, I still think it has a lot to offer, uh, especially to like a younger film student, even just trying to break into the business. If you ever wanted to make a movie and all you have is an iPhone, a two by four and a couple best friends, mm -hmm. I think you could do it. I think you could do it. I think, that, I think there's something to be said there. Uh, Sam Raimi proves it. Uh, this was the start of one of the greatest, like, the horror comedy directors of a generation was born right here. And I think it's incredible to see uh, Bruce Campbell. This is the birth of his career and he kind of never looked back and never really did anything else, but that, that's a whole nother conversation, but sure. Hey, it worked out for him. It's interesting to see. And I think the evil dead, if nothing else, it's interesting to see a progression of a series. And I think this is just a phenomenal movie. Adam, where do you stand with this film? I stand exactly where you stand with an a minus as well.
right. think that it, it it definitely stands the test of time. It's very entertaining to watch, especially if you're in the mood for a good horror film. I just think the Evil Dead, you know, there's a reason it's lasted so long as it has. And if you don't look any further than this, uh, the Evil Dead is a classic. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Real Terror Month is going to continue on. We got a whole bunch in store for you every day leading up to Halloween. We're going to be taking a look at each of the Evil Dead movies. Thanks for joining us, guys. We'll catch you next episode. We'll see you soon. Bye. If you guys like what you've seen here today, consider giving this video a like and leaving your thoughts in the comments below. If you want to stay up to date with everything Real Movie Guys related, make sure to hit that subscribe button and check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And don't forget all you audio listeners at home, we are available on many podcasting platforms. Just search The Real Movie Guys, we should pop right up. Thank you again all so much for joining us on this episode of The Real Review. We are The Real Movie Guys. Real guys, real movies, real thoughts. Catch you next time.